All right. Well, listen, Mitchell Tucker, man, I'm happy to have you on the show today. Somebody who's definitely stepping into their superpower as the peaceful savage. Love that. Somebody that's living big ticket methodologies with his own company, his own patents. You've stepped away from the big money equity challenge in life and you went out on your own. And then best of all, you wear like your values on your sleeve, so to say, or your shirt. Maybe you got a tattoo somewhere, can't quite see, but definitely on your shirt. And then where I want to jump right off, I'm on your website this morning as I'm prepping for our time together. And the little about me page you end with, you're not interested in making friends. You're here for a mission. Right. So That's I bring right. you the peaceful savage Mitchell Tucker, man. Welcome to the show. Let's pick up there. What are you most interested in if it's not making friends? Everybody's too comfortable. Everyone wants to stay in the middle lane. No one wants to make any noise. Everyone's too scared to make noise. I fall into a category, and I know a lot of people do, that is often considered the silent majority. And that's what's wrong with our country, right? That's what's wrong with our society, our world. The people who have these crazy ideologies, the people who are screaming from the rooftops, they make they make the majority feel like the minority, but people get up and just talk and speak their mind and and share what they feel and 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 where they stand on things and let people realize they're not alone. I think we would see a bigger impact. I agree, one hundred percent with you. So, you know, we do we do this as a live stream show, right? You're catching this maybe live right now, noon on Tuesdays East Coast time on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. Uh, if you just search Big Ticket Life, you find it, but. If you're catching this on audio, which the audio drops the Monday after, you might not be able to see Mitchell's shirt unless you got some weirdo like tech device that we don't know about that can like transpons your eyes through your stereo to the video. But Mitchell's shirt, what do you got on there? It's uh, pro, pro God, pro family, pro life, pro America, pro gun, offended, peaceful savage. <laughs> That's actually more than I, I. I caught the first three in your in your. Uh, in one, a couple of your photos and in the, in the slide card for this episode. But yeah, I love it. Um, love it all. You know, so you own a security company, Intact Security. I do. You know, the the business advice on the street is you don't, you don't go around wearing a shirt like that if you own a business. Right. So... Yeah, that goes against the grain. That goes against the grain. I don't own Intact by myself. It's a family-ran business. There's me, and actually my mother and my brother. And yeah, they tell you to leave politics. Well, what are we to, we're trained to not to speak about two things, politics and religion, right? I speak about both. And uh, because they're very important. You can't expect, you can't be upset when our society and our country loses its morality when you refuse to talk about Jesus. You can't get upset when we're losing our freedoms but you refuse to talk about politics. They're one and the same, right? I don't necessarily enjoy politics. It's not my, my go-to thing I sit around, I enjoy talking about, but it's a, you have to, right? If you're concerned about your freedoms, you're consider, concerned about our society, those two things are a must. Yeah, yeah. You know, we talked in the pre-show, um, you've got some merchandise on your, on your website, um, Peaceful Savage Gear. I too have my own clothing brand lines, Sider 57. And really, you know, in, in bringing that about, bringing that forward, yeah, there we've got it up on screen. See, that's why it pays to watch the video, folks. You get to, you get a whole different immersive dynamic in a podcast. We did yeah. that great video on and uh, 
I just have to pause here because Chris, my producer at Cast Ends, fantastic for this, does a great job. You need anything podcasting, you need to definitely connect with him and his stuff's in the show notes. But um, in, in, in building Sire 57, for me, um, when you talk about politics, you talk about religion, I mean, really both in the framework of our constitution were meant to keep one in religion and one out politics. Uh-huh. Right. Like it's in there. It's right in there. There, there's. You read some of the papers that Washington wrote. Some of the things, the quotes that are attributed to him. He he says we're a, we're a lost nation without a uh, divine compass, right? Yeah. Um, meaning God. Uh, yeah, and if I was and, to give, if I was to give strict business advice, not life advice, but business advice, I would say keep politics out. But I can't do that because my conscience won't let me. It, I, right. I can't just give you if you want life advice you can't you can't keep it out you can't keep religion can't keep politics out you know one of the things that we're doing um, we've got a great part and, and this isn't a commercial for Cider 57 it's just it's, it's appropriate because it's very connected to what Mitchell's doing but one of the things that we're doing or able to do in the future is to blow in uh, in the fulfillment world a blow in is called something you stuff in the bag right so one of the things we're able to do in the future and we will do is put a little pocket constitution. I've been carrying one around for years now. I've gone through tons of them because they just wear out. Um, but within that constitution, if you read it front to back, uh, back to front, and, and really multiple times uh, go through it, you, you get a sense. I said, there's one thing that needs to stay in for our nation, one thing that needs to go out, and that's the politicians. You read that, you really understand what... Uh, what they meant and, and how far away we are. So you can't help but talk about politics because it's such a broken thing. Right. Our whole political system, in my belief, is so utterly, terribly broken. I'm in Pennsylvania, which it's just an awful state politically to be in right now. Um, it's we're, we're, We've got two clowns that are running for the Senate. They're, they're both equally bad. Um, we're, we're, we're at the point where evil is the only choice. And... There's no more lesser. It's just that's all. That's all there is to it. That's my opinion. But uh, I love how you're leading this. So, uh, so we could talk about security. We could talk about patents, which is very cool that you have those. Maybe we jump in there. Uh, but I do want to touch on your whole peaceful savage movement more because I think it's really important for people to be connected to things they believe in and stop being so afraid of sharing it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. agree on that. Absolutely. So, uh, so tell me about the patents, though, because that's very cool. Like I think in business, that's a big success for people is having something that you definitely can call yours. Absolutely. So, yeah, so just to rewind a little bit, and I'll be very brief because this is a long story. Um, I was in law enforcement 12 years, and I, I came from a family of entrepreneurs. But I was really driven towards law enforcement. I love law enforcement. I became a cop at 19 years old. You know, I was one of the youngest uh, deputies in the agency. I was carrying a gun, but couldn't even buy my own bullets. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed my time. I worked undercover narcotics and robberies and did a lot of fun stuff. But I went to, towards the end of my career, I went to a call that changed my life forever. The lady called. She said, my husband's going out of town. And I'd like a deputy to come show me how I can make my house more secure so that I feel safer while he's out of town. And I'll be completely honest. I didn't really want to go to this call, right? It's not a real exciting call. But I showed up and I yes, ma'am, the no, ma'am, this is what I would do, put this here, do this. 
And at the end, she said something that changed my life forever. And I owe this lady everything. She said, wow, the peace of mind you just gave me is worth every bit of 500 bucks. And to think the sheriff's office does this for free. Now, mind you, I was there 15 minutes, right? Right. So I thought to myself, $500, that's a week's worth of pay for me as a, as a cop back then, right? Right. So it, it turned on that, uh, that entrepreneur light bulb. And the reason I say that is because opportunities didn't just start showing up. I didn't have the mindset to see the opportunities. When she said that, something clicked and I started seeing things differently. I started seeing the opportunities as they came towards me. So I created this product. It's a, um, it's a, a little box. And you plug it in and within six seconds, it protects your entire house with no wire sensors or gadgets. And just this one single box. You don't have to put anything on your windows or on your doors or anything like that. And, uh, but it was just a prototype. And I needed to, I needed like a couple hundred thousand bucks to get it completely patented and, and ready to go. I find an investor. Um, long story short, I pitched it to him a bunch of times. He told me no because I had no skin in the game. You know, he gives me money. I'm a cop. I lose his money. I'm still a cop, right? I didn't lose anything. Right. Right. The next, so the next day I go in, I quit my job. And, um, wow. Yeah. That's and, commitment. Right. And, and I, I like bringing this point up too is when you instill confidence in your significant other, right? Because my wife, everyone's like, well, what'd your wife think? I was married with two kids at this point. I had $2,000 in the bank. It's not like we had a nest egg. We were sitting on a massive savings account, right? I, I went home. The next day I woke up and I tell her, babe, I'm going to quit my job. And she said, what? <laughs> like at first he was a little shocked. And I told him, you know, what happened, what the investor said. And with no hesitation, she said, well, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Because I've instilled the confidence. It, as long as you are physically well and mentally well, there is zero excuses for you not providing for your family. And my wife knows that I would dig a trench from here to California if that's what I had to do to pay my mortgage, right? Because that's what men do. And um, because I instilled that in my wife, she had the confidence in me and she said, go for it, right? There was no, well, what, what about this? And what about that? Crush it. So I went in that day, I turned in my two-week notice thinking that I had two weeks worth of work left. I didn't know it's a policy. They let you go same day. They don't want someone that doesn't want to be there with a gun. Now, they did pay me for two weeks, which is awesome. But I, you know, now I'm heading home and I don't even know what to do with my life. I thought I had two weeks to try and figure some things out. I called the investor and he said, well, if you can sell me, you can sell an alarm. He invests the money. We took the money. We were able to lock down the patents. And that is a very long story short. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm just intrigued. Um, how, so w- what is this little box thing called? Well, it's going through... When we first launched, it was called Sonasafe. S-O-N-I-S-A-F-E. But it's going through a uh, rebranding process. Ironically enough, intact security, I started with me, my mother, and my brother. And really, maybe in not everyone's mind, but in my mind, it was a way to sustain my income until the product launched and made me a millionaire. Right? That was the goal. And I'm still working on that product. It has not launched. And we've done a soft launch. We have you know, some customers, but we haven't fully launched yet. And intact has became my main bread and butter. And being able to take the blows and transition and be fluid, that's what entrepreneurship is all about. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you said something that I was. I let you go. I was going to enter, but I figured I'll, I'll come back to it now. 
you know, almost every one of these big stories that you hear about, you know, you arriving at creating Sauna Safe and getting the confidence of the investor to invest and move forward and you're continuing to move forward. All of that comes from a place of risk. It all becomes from a place of unwavering belief in yourself and in the idea and in the confidence that you're going to throw everything you've got into this thing uh, and make it work. And then it's almost always even more successful when, as you said, your spouse is supportive, which I think is a key ingredient. Yeah, like none of this stuff comes from a place of comfort, right? Oh, absolutely not. No, nothing great's ever done in comfort. Yeah, yeah, we always have to, uh, always have to be pushing. So, um, so you, uh, you you're working on Sauna Safe, going through some rebrands. I, yeah, getting to know you a little more in my research prior to the show. I read you um, were given an ultimatum by uh, is that an equity investor? Is that right? Is that what I read? That was the, the yeah the investor in the beginning that I was just referring to. I got you. Yeah, you either... So that was the ultimatum. Right. And he didn't necessarily give me that ultimatum. He just... I kind of shortened the story down, but he said, you know, if you send the the product to my product testers and they give you the thumbs up, then I'll invest, right? So I I super glued all my screws in because I didn't have a patent and I (laughs) sunk off. Well, they came back and said, it's not ready for market, but we think it has potential. It's incredible. I personally believe it could revolutionize the alarm industry. And when he said that, I was like, oh, it's in the bag, right? So I called the investor and he said, eh, I really like you. I like the product, but you almost made me break my number one rule. And at this point, I'm like, just tell me what your rule is so I can fix it for the next guy, right? Because right. you're a successful guy. You probably have similar rules as other, other successful people. So yeah. he said, well, I so, never invest in someone who doesn't have any skin in the game. So he didn't necessarily give me an ultimatum. He just said the, the reason why he wouldn't invest and I, I fixed it. By quitting my yeah. job, yeah. Well, a couple couple of things to take away there. I mean, you touched on um, one rule for one investor likely is similar to others. Right. So, lesson being: pay attention, learn, learn from mistakes, learn from what people are saying. Listen, right, would be the second lesson, right? Like, listen to what they're saying. He didn't say go quit your job. He didn't say, well, if I'm going to put, you know. I, you didn't say this and I'm saying it. If, if he put a quarter million in, he, he wanted you to do 10% at 25. He didn't say that. Just said, I need skin in the game. Right. And however yeah, you could give that, I you did. Improve it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love it. I mean, that, that's some two big lessons there for anybody listening to us about listening to uh, what people are saying and then cluing in to their actions because maybe, maybe you don't... Um, Maybe you don't get the sale today. You know, this is appropriate for salespeople. How many times do salespeople hear an objection? They take the L, they don't get the sale, and then they just move on. They don't go back, write that one down, ask a peer, hey, you know, this customer is heading out of left field. I was unprepared. I'll admit it. What, what would you have done? Like, they don't go back and work that through. It's just, eh, on to the next one, right? Like, so many people don't take that time. I just challenged our team this week. To, uh, to work through some of your most recent success sales and then your most recent uh, big no's that you didn't expect and talk about both and, and ask, why did it work? Why didn't it work? Very good lesson there you just shared um, about listening. Uh, I really, really love that. So um, 
you um this this shirt you're wearing and the peaceful savage movement let's let's dig into what the heck do you even mean by peaceful savage right so this is where i get excited and i find my passion so where i got the word peaceful savage or the phrase peaceful savage crazy story true story several months ago i'm sleeping in the middle of the night i wake up it's like three o'clock in the morning. It was in the middle of the night. And the phrase peaceful savage is on my mind. And I thought to myself, that it was the heck? That didn't make any sense to me, but I thought it was super cool. So I grabbed my phone and I put in my notes, peaceful savage, and I went to sleep. Then, well, a couple hours later, I wake up for the day and it's the first thing in my brain again, peaceful savage. So I kind of brushed it off. I went about my day, you know, kids to school, work, office, responsibilities but it kept popping up in my head. And then I had some free time one day and I started thinking, well, I really need to dive into this and figure out what this is. So I go dictionary.com, I type in peaceful. I think I know the definition of both, but I'm trying to do some research here. So I type in peaceful, I read the definition of peaceful. I read the definition of savage. It's still not really aligning 100% for me. I just don't get it. Well, I won't break it down completely from how I got there to I got to the Bible, but... There's a Bible verse that says, the meek shall inherit the earth. And I don't know if you're, if you're a Christian or a believer, but that Bible verse really confused me. In my Neanderthal thinking mind, that didn't make sense. When I thought of a meek person, I think like this timid little man. And I'm thinking, I know this is really Neanderthal thinking, but if that man tried to take my wallet, it's not happening, right? How is that man inheriting the earth? And I started studying. I talked to my pastor and what I found was that when the Bible talks about the meek man, it's not talking about this timid little man. This guy's a savage. And what I mean by that, if you can imagine a guy who's like trained with his sword, he can cut down anything in his path. I mean, this guy is an absolute animal at his craft, a savage. But due to his meekness, he leaves his sword sheathed. And I think, wow, peaceful savage. That makes a lot of sense. And I thought about myself and law enforcement and other law enforcement officers. Every law enforcement out there here in America, they have a gun on their hip. Most of them have a shotgun in the trunk, an AR-15 in the, in the car with them. They have the ability to be an absolute savage, right? They cut down anything in their path. But due to their peacefulness, due to their meekness, due to who they are, the only time that gun's going to come unsheathed is when evil pokes its head and they have to go to work and protect others. So they're a peaceful savage. They have the ability but they keep that under control. Yeah, that's a um, that's pretty powerful, and it's a uh, it's a common theme. I, you know, you and I have learned pretty quickly here. We're we're very much of like mind, similar belief system, similar value system, um, and that's very much a uh, a theme right now with folks that I know, and I'm sure folks that you know and are friendly with, and friends and even family, to where. Um, there's a lot of people who could swing that sword, could could take those measures, but just don't because they are believers on a number of fronts, whether that's uh, belief in their God, belief in their you know uh, uh, value system, morals, et cetera. They believe there is a better way forward and they will continue to work that better way forward for a long, long time. And, you know, my hope is that we always work towards that better way forward and never have to unleash the sword. That would be my truest hope for sure. Um, because 
as the verse says, you don't inherit the earth if you unleash that sword, right? Um, that's that's the way I look at it. But you have also uh, this oath. Talk about this peaceful savage oath and what that means to you and why are you looking to rally people around these uh, these sets of values and around the oath? Well, it's simple. I love my country and I love my children. And I want to create a better place for them. And the fact of the matter is that peaceful, the peaceful savage oath, the way it is written, it's actually not that controversial. It's, I mean, it's saying that you will always do what you believe is right. Well, what do you believe is right? But I believe that if people listen to that oath, the silent majority listen to that oath and, and they sign that oath and they do it with intentionality and real conviction, not just what's on the other side of this page when we type in my information. If they actually do it with conviction and intentionality and they live by it, we're going to see a massive change. We can make a massive impact. And um, that's what I want. I want for my country, I want for my children, and I want for individuals because oh, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of personal development. And mm-hmm. this is a massive aspect of personal development. Until you're willing to live out your life, who you are, and, and stop being scared of everything, you're not going to develop to the next stage in life. Yeah. Why, um, why do you feel people are so scared right now? Well, they're demonized. You know, I mean, you look at the news, look at social media, they're so quick to demonize you. I don't even, you see my Instagram, I don't even really, I, I post a little bit on there, but I've been shadow bland and, and threatened and I don't even mess with Facebook no more. Um, right. And I don't even, I don't put anything crazy up there. You know, I, I really, really don't. Most of my stuff, 90% of my stuff is personal development type stuff. I want to see people take their lives to the next level. I know, I'm, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But I can look back and see where I came from. And that feeling, I want everyone to have that. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's an interesting thought. I'll get you, since you talk about your children, the future, how, how, what, age, what age are your children? Seven and 14. Seven, 14. Okay, perfect. So, you know, what's happening in schools right now is you're seeing children graduate the K through 12 system less and less prepared for life. We're seeing this bookend of college be expanded, um, you know, where the average uh, regular degree is, ta- is now taking five years to achieve, not four, okay, um, five years. So we're bookending another year of time with, with, I guess we could say, young adults. And then here's the other part that's happening is you've got... Uh, from the federal level, you've got a push to get children into the K through 12 school system at age three and four. So we're, we're, we're bookending this experience and we're not asking this question. And I'd, I'd ask you to kind of pick up on it. What's happened in your opinion that K through 12 can't graduate functioning adults anymore? Why do we need two years on the front and another year, but really two on the back? Um, why do we need that? Well, you know, look at the curriculum. If you if you're if you're a parent, I strongly suggest you don't have to be a Christian, you don't have to be a believer. Get your kids out of the public school system and put them in a private school if you can do it. I know it's not not everyone can pull that off, but if you're in the in the position to be able to do it, get it done because our public school system is 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 going to hell. I mean, we're, I'm blessed here in, in my area. I don't believe it's quite as bad yet, but you look at some parts of the country, they're more worried about 
what the, their kids' feelings than, than educating the children. They're more worried mm-hmm. about, you know, how they feel that day and having um, room. I, I don't know. It's a mess. We could go into a whole podcast on that, but the <laughs> uh, certain parts of the country are just out absolutely, uh, they've gone insane. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, I'm somebody that's very tuned in locally to uh, local education, um, local school board, what, what's happening in schools, the dynamic of your state teachers union and the influence that they have. Uh, interesting stat that I'm still kind of working through, but thus far the hypothesis is true. It was one of these, one of these little memes that you pass through online and then I look at it and I read it and I say, huh, well, that's an interesting statement. Let me see if it's in fact true. So the Department of Education was established uh, in 1980. And since that time, we've had not had a single metric as best I can tell. And I'm still really wanting to continue to dig into this. But your, your core reading and writing uh, arithmetic, your three core have gone downhill since the establishment of that Department of Education. 1980 is, is 42 years ago. Right. So we have 42 years worth of uh, education in which we're failing in reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's very, very bad. I think when we look at, I mean, you pick up on this. I think when you look at the tenets of what you're trying to create with Peaceful Savage, if we have a core group of now adults to young adults to teenagers who are failing in those three core subjects, they're just not equipped to be in a world to succeed. So that that fear is almost like ingrained. It's it's made part of their their ethos. It's made part of who they are because they that's don't have the basic equipment to go out and succeed. That's a great point. You think that, is, is that a fair statement? You think that's accurate from your view? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. You keeping them scared and uneducated, and uh, you can move the masses much easier if you have. Uh, masses are uneducated and scared for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's funny. We live at a point in time in which there was an actual bulletin put out by the department of Homeland security where it said, you know, watch your friends and family who are into canning food. Right. Really? Like talk about, talk about wanting to keep people uneducated, scared, afraid, divided. Divided. Yeah. Yeah. Like, consider me a terrorist, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I met with friends that it wasn't necessarily my thing to do. It was a Sunday afternoon. My, my Eagles were playing, so I kind of watched the game more than anything. Um, but we all, like, canned applesauce, like, right from the apples onto the bushel to the stove to the press. It was, it was fun. You know, I had a good time. To, to a point, wasn't like my most fun thing I could think to do. But, you know, um, yeah, when you keep people afraid and uneducated, I guess they just look for more cheap and easy stuff like McDonald's and KFC and the dopamine hits that uh, social media gives you. Right. Um, so on that note, I mean, why don't you pick up there? What, what's your belief on uh, tech and social media and what it's doing to us as a people, as a group? I think tech and social media, just like everything, it can be evil and it can be good. If you're in today's society, you got to get, you got to be involved with tech and social media. I mean, thank God that we have the tech that we have so we can share our message, right? This message right here wouldn't be spread without the, yeah, it's an evil necessity, I guess, if however you want to say it. But 
because of that tech, we can share our message. I can share the message of the peaceful savage and I can hopefully change lives and make an impact in our community and our society. But also, if it's not used properly, it's, it can destroy you. Yeah. 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 You see people spend time just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and points and uh, all kinds of points. I'll, I'm going to ask your opinion on this because I think, I think I know where you land, but it's okay if you don't. If you don't land where I think. So, you know, there's young, young women online. Um, specifically, it's somewhat of a long story, so I'll try to keep, I'll, I'll work to keep it short. So in my industry, I've got a retail, one of the, one of the businesses I own, I have a retail mattress store business. We're on the upper end of the product spectrum, high touch service, five-star experience. We stay away from the name brands. We've, we've done that for the last five years. But those name brands, none of those name brands, people would ever wear a shirt like you're wearing. Just put it that way. Right. Yeah. Um, in fact, they go the opposite side. And uh, the one of the um, uh, recent now departed uh, CEOs, she, she was big on empowering women in the workplace, which is fine. That got no issue with any of that. Uh, where my issue was is they had recently signed a deal with one of these TikTok, Instagram young women who built a massive audience online as a teenager, uh, prancing around on the screen, very scantily clad. Okay. Um, and I, I, I asked this, this executive, I said, you know, is it this far of a stretch to think that this child has built her, her payout on flesh? Because that's what it is. It's like bikinis that are just insane for, I think, a teenage girl to be wearing. And is it, is it that far of a stretch to say this is almost a form of sex work that involves a minor? Because audience built on flesh, goods, payout for sponsorship, flesh for money. Like, is that... Am I far off on that? I, I love your opinion. Now, where are the parents at? I, I think that... <laughs> the parents are in the background in their swimsuits dancing too, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, that's the society. I think that having a following is incredible. And I think yeah. that if you... I, I need to get better at it. You know, I, honestly, I, I do. I, I don't like social media, to be honest. I do it because I am passionate about my method. So yeah. I do it because I have to almost to an extent. Um, but that being said, if you enjoy it, that's even better because the bigger falling you have, the bigger impact you can make. With that being said, there is absolutely zero excuse for a young girl dancing around in a bikini on social media with a bunch of pedophiles subscribing and following. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying everyone who follows her is, but I guarantee you, if you were to go through her follow list, you're going to find a lot of lot of things you don't want. And hundred oh, percent, uh, it, it's not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. That's, um, it's prevalent too. Yeah, yeah. And just for the folks out there listening, watching, you know, if if what we just touched on starts to like make you feel uneasy, you want to lash out. All these guys don't 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 think women belong in our society or anything like that. Furthest from the truth. If you look at my show intro, I've got some. I have I had a fantastic four 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 participants in a show highlighting their event that they did and their badasses every one of them 
But every one of them also would encourage their female counterparts to say, you don't have to go shake your ass to be successful in this world. Absolutely. You can lead from the front with your right. ideas. And, and one of them at the time was a coach of mine. Um, you know, so let's just put that in place before anybody wants to start saying any nonsense. Not that I much care. Right. <laughs> right. So you talked about <laughs> pedophiles. You, you said, uh, look at that. Look at these girls less likely there's pedophiles on there. One of the charities, that was a hell of a transition, wasn't it? Just yeah, drop it the P word right there, right? Like, we're just going to go for it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I might have got you blocked. <laughs> but uh, you said, yeah, I mean, the world's a dangerous place. It's a scary place. Technology does enable that. Uh, for this issue a lot. You're connected, very passionate about a charity, uh, Veterans for Child Rescue. Uh, how'd you get connected there? And then you got an even deeper connection with the gentleman who founded it. So let's talk about that. Give them some shine for the efforts that they're doing. Absolutely. Veterans for Child Rescue, v4cr.org. I would never put my name on something that I don't believe in 100%. I've met the founder. I've met um, all the people in charge at the top and incredible people incredibly passionate. The guy who found it, Craig Solman Sawyer, he is a Navy SEAL or was a Navy SEAL, was on SEAL Team 6. Just an incredible family. And um, their mission is to educate and eradicate child trafficking. And the stats on this are absolutely insane. I believe it's one in four, um, one in four girls and one in six boys would be will be th- in America will be thrown into this before they're 18 years old. And those statistics are what's reported. Right. I'm in law I was in law enforcement a long time. Most stuff goes unreported. So the numbers are just, so crazy that they don't even seem real but they are. Right. Like so let's just pause there cuz you said one in four girls, one in six boys will be thrown into this. Or are you saying one in one in four, one in six children? Or actually sex trafficked or have been threatened, followed, connected put, to the sphere of it all. Some form of trafficking. So trafficking is not just sex trafficking, right? There's labor, there's actually organ harvesting. I mean, this is some dark stuff and 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 it's not easy to talk about or fun to talk right. about. But this is the Craig said something to me, and this is what really got me to where I, I gotta do something. He said to me, if you're walking on a sidewalk and you saw a little boy being hurt, and we'll just leave it at hurt, right? If he's being hurt and he's crying out for help, would you help? Well, absolutely. That guy hurting him would never walk again, right? That's, that's my thought. Okay, right. now, now you're walking down the sidewalk and there's a sheet. You know what's going on. You can hear it all, but you can't see it. Would you, would you move the sheet and help? Well, absolutely. Count me in. Okay, you're walking down the road. And he's in a soundproof box. You can't see in and you can't hear in, but you know it's happening right there. Do you do anything about it? Absolutely. Well, statistically speaking, in your city, that is happening right now. In your city. Why aren't you doing anything yeah. about it? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, we, um, where my retail store is, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, it's largely known for the Amish. Right, Amish right. country, countryside, tourism is a big, big draw in Lancaster County. Actually, a billion dollars worth of tourism uh, on the, you know, on Lancaster County. So big, you know, big area you wouldn't think 
for my retail store, we do a weekly podcast, a community-focused podcast, and we highlight nonprofits pretty much exclusively on there. And I'll never forget, it was North Star Initiative. They help with uh, you know, women in sex trafficking. And you know what you shared, I never heard that one in four number. That really kind of gave me chills and the one in six number for, for boys. But uh, yeah, right there in Lancaster, right on the main artery, like you say, that soundproof box, you can't see it, can't hear it. That main artery where you go and you eat the Pennsylvania Dutch food and you you get the the, the family photographs at Dutch Wonderland right down the street in the hotel. Their sex trafficking ring, women in CD hotel rooms just being prostituted out. Um, just terror. I mean, this stuff happens in your town. So what Mitchell's saying is 100 percent true. If you're passionate uh, about stopping this and, and doing something. Uh, that site again was V4CR, V number four CR. Yeah, V4CR.org or VestorChildRescue.org. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Just for anybody listening. Yeah, that's a pretty, um, that's just a shocking number. I can't, that really hit me hard. Well, there's one um, last thing on that. They're, they did a documentary called Contraland. You can find that. I believe it's ContralandMovie.com. But if you go to V4CR, you can find it. Um, the documentary is called Contraland and it will blow your mind. They ran some ads like they were selling girls and the yeah. amount of responses that they got in just a day would blow your mind. And we're not even talking about in a high trafficked area like Texas, California, or Florida. You know, those are the top three. Right. So yeah, definitely check it out. Check out that, uh, that, that Contraland movie. It's not easy to watch, but it's a necessity. It needs to be spread far and wide for sure. Yeah, yeah. So you're um, you're connected to the founder, and I'm sorry, the founder's name again, Craig. Was it Craig? Yeah, he goes by Craig Saulman Sawyer. Saulman's his his nickname, and that's how a lot of people yep. know him. Yep. So you got how did you get connected to Craig? Because he's uh, he's writing the foreword of an upcoming book. How did you get connected to him? Yeah. So I um, actually TikTok. My wife. Uh, <laughs> And this is the thing about social media, right? right. I, I can't stand TikTok, to be honest. Yep. But it is so I'm not there yet. It's so valuable, right? I can release a, a video on other social media platforms and get whatever X amount of views. I released it on TikTok. I did a video the other day, got 2.7 million views, right? Wow. My website exploded with traffic. So it's, it's valuable to be on it. Well, my wife is, is a much more into TikTok than I am. She's got a pretty decent following on there. And she met a guy who is who is um, creating a page for Vets for Child Rescue so that they can get the word out more because they weren't on that platform yet. So she met him through that. We started volunteering. We we went to Texas and did a, um, a nonprofit organ, uh, or a, a fundraising event for him, um, celebrity softball game. And um, we've, we've volunteered and helped out with him a couple of times, but it all started with TikTok, really. That's how I met him. And then I was blessed to meet him in Texas and get to know him and talk to him. I knew about him before this, right? I've read up on him and and I I followed him on social media. So it just it all worked out pretty perfect. And uh, I was honored to meet him. He's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's wild TikTok. I'm all things off. Right. So right. yeah, I'm not I'm not there yet. I've you you, you touched on how social media is it's a double edged sword, right? Good good side, bad side of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I struggle to build a business on on these platforms because of the things we know and the things we suspect. And you you said you've been shadow banned, and 
Um, you, you can see moments in time in your analytics where it spikes up and spikes down inexplicably, right? And then right. there's no explanation for it. You know, the funny thing is, as we're talking about this, I just switched over in the backstage feed. Um, you know, so we're talking about, we, we talked about a number of topics that would bring up a bot that would be, because it was blocked, but I'm just going to yeah. say it out. So sexfind.xyz. Yeah, here's, here's what's interesting about tech, right? Yeah. Is tech can, uh, can throttle canning supplies ads to people that might want to can their own food, right? Because it's dangerous, according to certain, certain uh, bureaucrats in our nation. But big tech won't boot a bot or do anything in their tech programming or algorithmic layout to stop sexfine.xyz. Right. And I find that really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Absolutely. Because yeah. obviously, the bots picked up the audio. We weren't typing anything out. Chris wasn't making any title cards with, it, with any of those words in it, right? Um, so obviously, now, that, now this is even peeled back another layer of the onion. Uh, you know, the audio transcription to algorithmic input to output to post that link. That's how that works. That's, that's an interesting cool. fact. This, yeah, that's that goes above my my level of understanding how it works. But yeah. it is, it's crazy. You, you almost feel like they're listening to you. You get done talking about buying your kid a bike, you jump on Facebook and there's bikes. Yep. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, exactly. So you know, just know that parents out there. Uh, just know that if your kids are talking about something other than bikes related to the sites I just referenced, it's happening because it just happened here in this show. You didn't see it in the video play because we got a great producer and he blocks it out as it's come in in the format, but it's there. Uh, and there's another one I'm just not going to send. Um, but uh, yeah, it's real interesting little dynamic here live in real time in this episode uh, as we're yeah. talking. But, you know, as we look to... Uh, Look to wrap up. So you're writing the book. What's you have a title of this new book? Yeah, the book is called The Peaceful Savage. And Love it. you know, I, I wrote a book right before COVID hit called Mentally Tough and Weak Society. This is the first book I wrote. And um, I was blessed. It went number one on Amazon. And I found a passion for speaking. I started getting phone calls and and people reached out to me, asked me if I wanted to come speak. And I found out that I was truly passionate about sharing the message of mental resilience. And I really enjoyed it. Then COVID hit and everything died down and right. the speaking engagements canceled. And it, we, we all know how that goes. This is the second book called The Peaceful Savage. And um, this is the one that Craig said he'd write the forward for me. So I'm excited to have him on it. And um, if you like what I've said so far and you're interested in personal development, taking your life to the next level, then I suggest you, you check it out. If you sign the oath at psoath.com, or PeacefulSavageOath.com. If you go to that website and you sign the oath, then we'll notify you when the book gets launched. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love everything you're doing with Peaceful Savage. This was a uh, really refreshing bit of time. Certainly took some turns I don't normally take with uh, podcast guests, but you're not the average podcast guest either. Right? <laughs> so uh, I love it, man. Love everything you're doing. Um, so PeacefulSavage.com, PSOath.com, ways to get a hold of you. Um, you've got your book coming out. When's the book release? It's supposed to be launched around mid-December. Okay. 
Yep. Is that going to be uh, Amazon as well? Right. It will be on Amazon. Yeah, the ebook very and the paperback. Yeah, very good. Very good. So you can go there, check everything out that Mitchell's up to, uh, peacefulsavage.com, psoth.com. Sign up, take the oath. You'll get notifications on the book. Um, look, you may not agree with everything that Mitchell's thrown down, but I'm telling you, there are there's a lot there that I think you can uh, connect to more than not. And uh, and that's okay. We don't always have to agree 100% on everything, but we can agree on doing our best. That's for damn sure. We can right. agree on being committed to each other and ourselves, right? Right. Um, so I'd, che- I'd, I'd ask you to go check out everything he's doing. I've really enjoyed uh, enjoyed our time together. Any parting words uh, for anybody wanting to get to know you better through Peaceful Savage? No, I really appreciate your time on here. I, I just like to, once again, push the aspect of mental resilience. If you're on here and you're trying to crush something, you're trying to do something, you can't fail if you don't quit. And that's the aspect of mental resilience. What's the secret to being mentally resilient? What's the secret to being mentally tough? There is none. There's no magic pill. There's no A-step wonder. There's an alarm clock. There's a gym. And there's a mindset. That's it. I hope I really enjoyed my time and I hope you guys got something out of it. Yeah, man. I enjoyed it too. Yep. Thanks for being on the show. I had a great time with you, Mitchell. Um, Check out PeacefulSavage.com and uh, we'll see you next week on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.bigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big-ticket life. My big-ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.